Welcome back to Navigating the Work Compass. I'm Kate Luzio, founder and CEO of Luminary, and I'm here with my incredible co-host, Susan Chapman Hughes. Hi, Susan. Hello, Kate. How are you? Hey, everybody. Hi. It's great to be back. Great to be back this week. And we decided today we're going to focus on one of our favorite topics, compensation. Yesterday was Women's Equal Pay Day here. And what we saw was that while the number moved two cents, that is not enough. And okay. it's a glacial pace uh, for women in particular, but for more importantly, for women of color, that number isn't moving at all. Over the yeah. last two years, we have seen an incredible headwinds for women, women of color, because of the pandemic, the she session, the great resignation. The numbers were crappy before the pandemic, and they aren't getting much better. So, Susan, what are your thoughts on how <laughs> to get paid more? Well, actually, like, first of all, I think it's kind of hilarious that we call it equal pay day because it's yeah. actually unequal payday. Um, and throughout the year, we have these like uh, equal paydays based off of like for black women and then for Latinx women, Latina women who is like r really bad. Yeah. Um, and so I, I guess the first thing that I would say is like, why is this even still a thing in 2022? Why do we still have these conversations around why women should get paid equally. I just find this to be actually offensive. And so I really would love for us to just like delve in really quickly about the, why is this still an issue? Right? Like, <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Who's, not, who's not actually like thinking about this as an issue. So let me just um, give some context. Uh, I actually um, did a prep for a panel that I'm going to be on this week. And one of the questions was uh, how many of the women, and there were four of us on the call, were the primary breadwinners for our families? All, we're all executive women. Everybody's hand went up, right? And I think um, just based off my experience and based off what I've seen for um, over the years, most executive women are the major breadwinners in their family. Yeah. But yet they're making less than their male peers. And why is that, right? I mean, I think some of it is definitely on us because you hear the stories of like, well, we don't ask for um, the money, we're not engaging. And so I think we should spend some time talking today about the value of information in, in mm -hmm. um, negotiations and where can you get information for negotiations. But I also think there's a lot of onus on the system. And so let me just um, share a couple of things. So a bunch of companies have undergone these audits, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, by the way, this is a little side note. Uh, one of the funniest things that I saw this week was on Twitter uh, that there was a equal pay day bot. That yes, yes. They did it also on, on IWD as well. <laughs> yes. And so every time like... <laughs> There was like a company that was like, we're here for Equal Pay Day and International Women's Day. It's really great. They were like, yeah, but you don't yes. pay your women or you have an issue with women or you whatever. So I love that. And I hope that whoever's running that bot, like we're happy to continue to support you because we need more call outs like that. 
But the other the other thing that I was saying is like a lot of companies are undergoing these audits on um, whether or not they have a pay gap for gender in their organization. Mm -hmm. And a lot of companies are coming out and saying, you know, we're so great. We don't have a pay gap. We've done the analysis. We're like for like. And what is fascinating to me is that if you actually start to break down those numbers, I don't actually believe them. Yeah. Let me tell you why I don't believe them. Uh, because I think that they're, if, if they are doing a, is there a pay gap between women who are evaluated at this level or rated at this level and men who are rated at this level, there's probably not a gap. But I would suggest that a lot of companies and a lot of leaders use um, performance and evaluation as a way to differentiate where oftentimes women get left behind. I totally agree. Right. Absolutely. And because go ahead. No, because think about it. It, 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 it take any, it really take any industry or sector you join as right out of college, you are likely going to be paid pretty similar across the board. Right. Um, they have a pay scale. You're, you know, whatever you just graduated. It's when you start to move through the pipeline and you start being evaluated by a meritocracy um, within management and that those are discretionary by yes. the manager. Right. Yes. I saw it through all those years in banking. You saw it, too. And it's glaringly obvious. And so you say, OK, there were oftentimes benchmarking exercises and it was more around other organizations. Are we paying our people at these different levels? At the end of the day, it still becomes at the manager's discretion, that's right? right? That's so right. I, I think Susan's doing a great job, but her buddy, that's this other guy is doing a great job too. And I know him, we golf together and he's, he goes to the happy hours. But he also didn't go on maternity leave last year. Exactly. Yeah. And, it's, and it's, he didn't have to, you know, jump off the calls early because he had to go take care of his kids or pick them up from school. Or and he sure. doesn't have all these extracurricular activities that, that she does. So I think her, his focus he is more on the job. He doesn't grocery shop. You know, he no, doesn't. It, you know. That's his kids, problem. his kids don't interrupt the meetings. Right. His kids don't, yeah. you know. That's, and, that's and when, the problem. And when I ask... When I asked him to take on this new project in the middle of COVID, he was like, absolutely. When I asked her, she was like, well, what? I need accommodation because I've got to make sure my kids get to X, Y, and Z. They're, or they're at home and I have to homeschool them because the school is closed or whatever. I've got an immunocompromised you know, elder in my house. And so my kids can't go to the physical school. So I still have to you know, do school. And so there is like... A whole long list of excuses that leaders make about why someone is not, quote, hasn't performed as great as someone else. And I, I think this has got to be one of the breaks of what's happened from COVID, right? Is that yeah. because the thing is, is like, if you look, if I'm going to bet on somebody who's going to be amazing, I'm going to bet on that person who's carrying a family <laughs> right. who's, you know, running all the errands on a black woman who's dealing with microaggressions and doing whatever, but still coming to work every day and still performing and doing it. Imagine what would happen if I actually gave her some resources to alleviate some of those things, how much more amazing she would be and certainly would probably run circles around some of the other people around. I don't know. You tell me. 
Well, I think the other thing is, and we know this is fact, men are paid on potential. Right. Women are paid and promoted on performance. So right. I, I know we've both heard this at points in our career. You're just that's not right. ready yet. You're just not ready yet. Well, then get me ready. Right? That's right, because that's your job as an organization to invest in my skills and my talent so that I am ready. We, Susan, we had a great panel last night and one of the women, and I think you would have loved it, said, listen, if you've been at an organization for two to three years and you don't have someone that's been identified, meaning they've identified you as I'm your mentor, or I'm your sponsor, or I'm going to be that voice in your room, then they're not then you are really insignificant in their mind, right? They're not going to nurture. They're not nurturing. The, the amount of times you're sort of showing up and, 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 and I'm this amazing person and these are all my accomplishments. If you don't have that, it's going to still be a struggle in any size organization. That's right. And so, you know, I did a post yesterday on Equal Pay Day, very similar to what you said. It's like, great, why, why do we have this? The numbers aren't moving. It's the system. It's us. It's it's a whole. It's everything within this ecosystem around making sure that we are paying people what they are worth. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean I have twenty five years of experience. I have P and L response. All of these things that maybe you don't fit into that perfect box, but that's okay. I should be paid for what I'm bringing to the table. And if we don't stop this, I, this, this gap of, from a management standpoint of discretionary, where I say, you're, I'm going to pay you. You're right. You know what? Susan leaves for PTA meetings once a month. Um, Susan has her daughter's singing recital that we get to hear all about. That's, pretty amazing, right? That's called life integration, life management. That is where we have a major issue. I heard someone say the other day to me, uh, and someone, I won't name who that is, said, well, you're never going to reach parity because parity doesn't exist because many of you, and I am not one of them because I'm not able to have children, take off time, right? You have kids, you know, everything changes. That's BS. Well, it, it, it's like that until they're, um, until it's their daughters. Daughters. Right. Um, what, what's also fascinating to me about this, this discussion is a lot of it is around access and visibility. Mm-hmm. Right? So, um, cause I, I'm just thinking back to like seeing this play out in real time and either compensation conversations around the table. Right. So, Typically, in a lot of corporations, not all, but in a lot, uh, comp decisions are, uh, are, are calibrated amongst the leadership in a room. And I, I think back to a couple of things. One, how I always have to used to have to check the people in the room about the language they used about the women in the room, right? Because mm-hmm. the language was always like, the show, she's got sharp elbows. She's- oh, yeah. abrasive she's you name it yeah right (laughs) um and i'd be like okay so basically but what about this guy like it's the same thing and if i didn't call it out like nobody would say anything about it they would just like let it go that's the Mm -hmm. first thing the second thing that was also really fascinating to me was the number of people who when it came to women and especially women of color who are like i don't really know her that well so 
I want to actually reserve my highest ratings, which equals compensation yep. for the people that I know the best who actually tend to be the people who look like them and the people who act like them. Right. Uh, and so I'm like, yeah, but the people who are really driving the most value for you are actually the people who are most different. You just don't see it because you're not out of your ivory tower to get out and see what's happening. And so I think that, um, leaders owe it to themselves to not wait for people to come to get to know them, but to go out and seek the women in your organization so that you know who they are, you know what their contributions are to the organization. And when you get in the room, if it's your person and you know they've had a kick butt year, that you stand up for them. I'll never forget this one time you know, leader, nice guy. This woman was on his team. We're talking about her and she had arguably the best year she's ever had, like, and heads over others. And he basically, somebody else in the room brought up something negative about her. And he basically was like, well, if you really feel that way, then I'm willing to allow um us to downgrade her and i just went apoplectic i was like no we're not doing that we are not doing that this is the best year she's had we are going to give her what she has earned there's nobody who's perfect and yes this might be something that she needs to work on but in terms of delivery and hitting her metrics and driving the kind of outcomes that we want show me somebody who's had a better year than her. And then everybody backed down and was like, oh yeah. And then after the meeting, he was like, oh, thank you for standing up for her. And I was like, thank you for standing up for her. Where were you? Right. Like, really? So I think that, you know, look, if somebody, if a woman on your team has really delivered, make sure you come in with those points so that you are ready to have the conversation to ensure that they get what they deserve. Because at the end of the day, if you start out and the only merit increases that you're getting is at the lower level and you work for a company for 12 years, that's going to have a real impact on you over time. And that's how these gaps keep happening, right? Absolutely. Like, oh, well, you know, it's okay. She's all right. She's the middle of the barrel. We'll just give her whatever. And if somebody's really talented, you need to be investing in that person so that they can have opportunities to outshine and to show up so that they can actually be positioned to get the best compensation opportunities there are. And a lot of people just are not willing to do that because they're like, oh, it takes too much work. It's really hard. I'm not sure. I think the other thing is that most managers, and, and, and this is for big companies, right, that we've all, that you and I've worked for for most of our career, there's a, you get a pot every year, right? You get a pot for promotions, you get a pot for right. bonuses, and you've got to manage that number. Great, we understand that. But if you know that someone is making much less, whether they're a woman, a person of color, underrepresented, you've got to make it right. Because to your point, earnings potential is heavily impacted the longer you stay at a company because companies will say, well, our standard is a 1% raise, a 3% raise, um, and hopefully you'll get a great bonus if, if that's part of your compensation package. And that's where we lose. And so when you look at the numbers of organizations, 
at the senior level, when you look at the CEO, C-suite, one level down, the women are often much lower paid than men because throughout them going through the pipeline, particularly if they've stayed in the organization, their raises or percentages of increase were much lower, right? Yes. So yeah. that's, that's one way to solve this. I would say as an employee as well, uh, I'm often asked, you know, sort of like, well, how do I ask for what I, you know, what I, what I, what I should get? And I said, first of all, it's not about what you need, right? That's right. It's about what you deserve. That's right. And so you have to prepare yourself for those conversations, for those tough conversations, for the conversations where your boss says, well, I don't know if we can do an increase that large. Uh, no, then you have to have ways to combat that, right? That's right. Really understanding what you're putting in to, to, to the team, to the organization, why you're an asset, your results. Um, what would happen if you left that day? That's and right. these are not threats. This is reality, right? This is your career. That's and right. your company cares about you but they care more more about the bottom line because that's how they have to run a company. And so nobody cares about your career more than you do. So you have to take control and begin self-advocacy and self-promotion based on fact very much earlier in your career versus waiting right. around for someone to recognize that. They should. That's right. But you've got to be pushing just as much as you hope they're pulling. Yeah, and so... There's also the thing around knowledge, right? And so yeah. it's hard to go have a conversation if you don't know what you're asking for. So let's just talk about that for a minute. Let's give a couple of, I'll give a couple of examples of things that have happened to me in my life that have, I'm so grateful for. So the first is um, there's two friends that you should have in your company right? Two, two, two groups of people that should be in your like hit list of like, I need to have a relationship with these people. First is your HR person mm -hmm. or somebody in HR who understands compensation for the company that you work for and can share where you are relative to your peers and give you a sense of how comp works in your company, right? A lot of companies use they call bands, but within bands, mm -hmm. there's a lot of flexibility in the bands. It could be different for a salesperson if you're on SIP, et cetera, but ask those questions so that you can understand the baseline. And by the way, sometimes that changes year over year. So you need the updated information, right? Yeah. The second person that you should be having a friends with or being friends with or getting to know is somebody in finance who understands, well, what is the merit increase going to be for this year? What are, what does the bonus pool look like? Um, you know, what, what are, what is the business accruing in terms of merit and bonus so that you can put it in perspective, not just for you, but for your team as well. The, the third thing it, that I would tell you is like, be able to benchmark and understand what, what the value of your job is externally. Yeah. Right. And you can go to Indeed, you can go to all these different, you know, websites and you can get a lot of information about what kind, what does a job like the one you have pay outside of your company? And I, I dare say this, at some point in time, you should be like always understanding what your market value is, which means sometimes you need to go on some interviews 
Totally. And go see what it's like on the other side so that you can always have perspective about where you are. One thing. Go ahead. No, one thing I did, and I, I, I totally agree. I think, you know, always knowing your market value is important. If, yeah. if, if you have friends or people in your network also that work in similar industries, uh, and let me just tell you something. This is what I did every year for 20 years. Uh, I had lots of men in my network that were very open to telling me how well they were doing. Uh, because they were happy about it. They were bragging. So have those conversations. It may, right. you should check with your policy within your organization. Right. I know. Uh, but having those conversations and saying, well, what are you making? Right? We don't talk about money enough. We don't talk about compensation yeah. enough. So find yeah. out. And by the way, is great. Maybe you're, that person's making X and it has to be a comparable job, but understanding what that looks like. One of the things, Susan, I think I've, I've talked to you about this and um, he probably doesn't listen to LinkedIn or watch it, but Jose Linares was one of my most demanding managers ever. He was my my best manager um, at JP Morgan when I worked there in London. You're going to be listening now because somebody's going to be like, Jose, they talked about you. <laughs> and I was relatively new into the role that I was doing. I was already at a senior level, already an MD. And I walked into my sort of year end with really out being prepared around my number. And I was more focused on the accomplishments. And yep. he stopped me immediately and said, I'm your manager. I know what you do. And I, I, I know what you do. What's your number? And it was the first time in my career that I was unprepared about mm. being ready for that question. Um, normally, it was me bringing it up versus my manager asking me what my number was. And he said, Kate, you should always be prepared. And I said, normally I am. He said, but you're not right now. So I'm going to give you 24 hours. You come back to me with that number and we'll see what we can do. I gave him the number and he said, how did you come up with this? And I said, I called all my friends on the street, right? I know right. that I'm being paid less. I came from a different line of business, da, 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 all the great things. And he actually lived up to it. Mm -hmm. And I've told that story over and over because when then I would get women in my organization that still weren't prepared with a number, I would say, but you've heard me tell this story. That's right. Why aren't you coming prepared? Right. That's right. The other the other thing that I would tell you, and particularly this for people junior, mid-low in your career, is like, you, you know, in our friend groups, we don't talk enough about compensation and how our comp is actually structured. So my best friend and I, I mean, look, I'm so grateful for her. Shout out to Deborah. Um, because Deborah has been in HR for years. And one of the things that we've done for each other is as we get new jobs and new opportunities is we've shared not just our cash compensation, but the structure of our packages mm. because there's value in a lot of different places in the package that you have. And so we've been able to help each other over the years. And I have a few other friends too, but you got to be willing to be transparent about how much you make with people and be straight with them and recognize that, you know, not about your feelings or whatever, but it's actually really about helping each other because the more exposure you get to it, the better it is. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I would tell you is for those of you all who are executives, right? 
Shame on you if you say yes to a job without consulting a compensation consultant. Yes, it may feel like it's a lot of money, but honestly, it'll be the best money that you've ever spent because these folks can get into a proxy and really understand what the compensation program of a company is to help you structure what your term sheet is. They can see what perquisites have been paid for certain people at different levels. They can find the actual contracts that companies are you know, doing with executives yeah. to read what's going on in the contract. They have context across multiple industries so they can also introduce ideas of things so that in your negotiation, a company may not be able to do this thing, but they may be able to do that thing. Yeah. So find yourself a good compensation consultant. And sometimes that person is also an attorney. And if you, if that person is not an attorney and there are clauses that you feel like an attorney should be weighing in on, you should absolutely have an attorney help you think about those things because there are things that could be in your contract about non-compete, right? If you left the company about what your severance payment and uh, qualifications would look like, there's all kinds of things. And so getting the expert help from people who do this all day long will save you a lot of headache. And it will also send a signal to the organization that you're serious. Yeah. The other thing, yeah. And I would say whether you're climbing the corporate ladder or not, even if you are a business owner, this is really important because as you structure your business, understanding, you know, what you should pay yourself, if you're taking on investors, if you have, if you're taking on and you're giving up equity, you really need to understand the, the, um, the financial piece that will impact you goods or bads. Right. And so having someone look over these contracts and I would, I would agree, Susan, wholeheartedly with the more senior you get, particularly if you're um, looking at an outside role, is in having an employment attorney, employment lawyer to look over that to make sure that everything obviously is a benefit to you versus just your company is super, super yes. employment. And and there are some great ones out there. Susan and I could probably both give you recommendations. But at the end of the day, this, and, and I know we're kind of at the end, this is about your career. This is That's not right. about your company. This is not about how great they are or their culture or your runway. This is That's about right. you. This is about your career and making sure that you are monetizing uh, all that you are doing for that company in That's addition right. to having all the great opportunities that they're providing. That's right. And so, look, I will just... Um close on saying something that my mother told me a long, long time ago, which is if you don't fight for yourself, you can't expect anybody else to fight for you. And so if you don't go ask, and if you don't do the homework, and if you don't create the opportunity for you to have equal pay and equal opportunity, then part of that is on you, right? Because then if the organization shows you that they're unwilling to give you what you deserve, then you'll know it's time to leave, right? And so I know this like went really fast, but we could still be talking about this. I'm looking at the comments here. Some folks are, hey, Chris 
from FXD Capital. Thanks for joining in. I, I see you've said hi. And uh, hey, Judy, it's great to see you too. But I've seen a lot of likes and other things come up as we've had these topics. But if you've got questions or other topics you'd like for us to cover, please just shoot us an inbox on LinkedIn or um, shoot us an in-mail and we'll be happy to cover them. We've got some other special guests that'll be coming in the next couple of weeks. So we're excited about it. But please continue to join in to Navigating the Work Compass, where we talk about issues of the day, and we cover really critical topics that matter to you. And we will look forward to seeing you at our next Navigating the Work Compass. And just remember, you can download prior episodes on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Find us there at Navigating the Work Compass. Thanks, Susan. See you soon. Great. It's great to see you.